Welcome to the Investor Download, the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. I'm your host, David Brett. I jumped to the microfinance in 2014. Uh, it was exactly uh, in the period when the worldwide crisis 2009-2010 has heated the Albanian market. So- That's Hayola Spahiho. Hayola is the chief executive of NOAA, a microfinance institution in Albania. So the banking system was not aggressive and was not expanding. The whole system was in a standby situation. So uh, the majority of ourselves at a young age couldn't feel good just to stay in an office and not serving to the customers, not providing more uh, services to the, to the customers in the market. And the microfinance was the alternative way. Microfinance institutions like NOAA provide finance to individuals and small businesses, including a farmer whom, although 60% blind, keeps running his farm alongside his wife while employing other farmers working for him. And the first female wood boat constructor in Albania, who decided to return from Spain and keep investing in her dream. So I liked a lot the dynamic, uh, the uh, energy, and the, 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 the most important thing is in microfinance, we see the impact because we see the customers growing up. We see the people that uh, have a dream to realize, like starting up a new business, especially women. In Albania, we are very much focused on supporting financially the women that are trying now to create financial independence uh, in the market and create an alternative income for the families. So we see that impact day after day and it gives you a pleasure and satisfies you finally with the work that, that we do there. So in this show, I speak with Hiola to understand how the world of microfinance works and how they manage and measure success in a world where some of their clients live in regions that are so remote. And we also speak to Daniel Perot, whose company Blue Orchard Investment Management is one of the many financiers who finance the microfinancers like Noah. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, you're listening to the Investor Download. Noah, like many other microfinance companies, give hope and opportunity to those that might otherwise be excluded from banking and financial markets. Exclusion is everywhere. Even a big company, if they don't, I don't know, if they don't have enough collaterals to be provided for a bank, it's excluded from financing. So what we do is we try to be much more flexible in serving the whole part of the customers that cannot take a financing. But they can't do it alone. Microfinance businesses need funding themselves. We, we cooperate a lot together in terms of the capital movement because to um, uh, finance, uh, you need all the time the capital. Uh, so uh, what uh, we as microfinance institutions, we are all the time in searching the capital to enable it within the Albanian market. And in that uh, effort, we get alongside with uh, uh, investors and with uh, investment plans in order to get that excess of liquidity from somewhere else and to bring it, especially in the emerging market when capital is a little bit difficult to be raised in, but the need is much more high. Those investors include investment managers such as Blue Orchard. We see that the the financing we provide to our partners in emerging markets is really helping 
to um, to support the growth of our financial partners in in those um, in those markets. That's Daniel Perot, global head of business development at Blue Orchard. And we see that um, you know we through that we can fight um, extreme poverty. We can help people. Uh, to um, to develop um, um, an activity, an economic activity. So this is why we think microfinance is a high impact strategy uh, that uh, makes absolute sense for any investors that is looking to generate uh, social impact, but also a financial return. We'll come back to financial returns later in the show. But for a sector that focuses on such small enterprises, the microfinance industry is surprisingly big. In 2021, lending globally hit $187 billion, and by 2030, that's expected to nearly treble to $550 billion. Of course, that pales in comparison to the $51 trillion US bond market. However, microfinance institutions are critical to economies such as Albania's, whose GDP is around $20 billion, according to the World Bank. In 2022 alone, NOAA pumped 45.5 million euros directly into the local productive economy and family living standards. But very important in terms of job creation, in terms of contribution to the GDP overall in in the respective countries. So for us, really the engine of growth in, in the different emerging countries where we invest in. But lending to small businesses, many of which are rural and hard to reach, doesn't come without its challenges. That's coming up in part two of the show. Get in touch with us by email at shorterspodcasts at shorters.com or visit our website shorters.com forward slash investor download. Depending on the country, microfinance institutions' typical customers range from the small family businesses of just a handful of employees to very formalised companies of up to maybe 100 employees. But the one challenge they all seem to have in common is financial literacy. Normally in a, in a banking sector, challenges are a lot. Uh, education, financial education is the first one. And especially the, the lower the customer, the smaller the customer it is, the higher it is a financial uh, education gap. The second challenge is one that is common throughout the world, but particularly in emerging markets. And that's the reliability of data. After all, when not everyone you're dealing with has a bank account and not every transaction is recorded, how can you reliably assess how viable a business is? Informality remains high still. So we have, um, uh, we develop internally with scoring models in order to assess behavioral behavior of the customer in the future because just based on the data that we can receive for the market makes it a lot difficult. Um, uh, the information about the customer still remains difficult because uh, um, uh, you need to have access, which is not all the time available there. Uh, in Albania, the only official uh, source we can have is the credit scoring. The third challenge is digitization. Um, digitalization is another challenge recently <laughs> uh, because uh, uh, now the, the, the customers are tending and are pushing to get uh, the financial products very fast. So they don't uh, want anymore in the same way the products have been served uh, years ago. So they want fast products, um, personalized products that fits exactly to the need that they have. 
Spahio says meeting those challenges means boots on the ground. NOAA has created teams dedicated to field research and connecting with customers, gathering first-hand data wherever possible, which is extremely personally sensitive. As a result, they act as collaborators in a loan, much like a small bank in the UK or US might have done half a century ago. Still, that presents a problem for potential investors in microfinance institutions like Blue Orchard, who are lending their clients' money to largely unknown quantities. How do they reassure their investors? I think the key word would be education. So really um, informing clients on how we source the investment opportunities, how we assess them on the ground, um, both from a you know, credit risk perspective, but also from a social impact perspective, making sure we really select the right partners in each countries. So that is really, it requires to go that ec- extra mile. Um, but I think we, we, we also try really um, to bring that transparency to investors by bringing our investees also in front of our clients so that they can really understand where the money is going. Technology is certainly helping bridge that gap too. By collecting data, firms like NOAA can better analyse the businesses they're lending to, which will help them make better decisions. And that goes the same for investors in microfinance institutions. Already before um, COVID, obviously, we, um, we were almost entirely digitised when it comes to sharing information and uh, but, uh, but also when looking at microfinance institutions, we, um, we think, as Ariola just, um, just said, we, we think it's really accelerating the penetration of, of microfinance in, in, uh, in different countries. Um, in India, we had uh, uh, absolutely fascinating examples of 100% digitized microfinance institutions that during the pandemic were really able to just continue their business, but also um, sharing information with individual, individu- individuals around COVID. So it was way beyond just financial services, but really um, communicating and staying close to, uh, to their end clients. So really great examples of how digitization is actually having a high social impact. Ultimately, everyone in the process has to answer to their investors. So what do they get in return? That's coming up in the final part of the show. According to data compiled by Blue Orchard, key microfinance economies showed resilience during periods of uncertainty over the last 20 years. While returns have remained consistent and with lower volatility compared with other parts of the financial market. So by choosing a pure private debt microfinance uh, strategy, you can definitely add a lot of diversification because those are the type of risk you wouldn't find in any other private debt strategy. So this is really creating um, a lot of diversification for any portfolio, aside obviously of the, um, of the social impact. So we even have investors that like the social impact, but they really choose microfinance debt as a, as a way to diversify further their alternative investments. What we've seen over t- 20 years is, is really the great resilience of the industry and uh, the low default rate and the steadiness of returns that are uncorrelated, um, not only to public markets, but also to the noise that you might have at, at the country level. So you see that because they are financing 
um, sectors like agriculture, the small economies of those countries, which are lowly correlated to the noise that you have at, at the country, you see actually this great resilience of the industry. And that's what we've seen in any really type of black swan events. Um, we've seen really a great resilience of the industry. And investing in microfinance doesn't necessarily mean tying up your funds for years on end. You can run a semi-liquid um, a strategy where you would have li um, liquidity terms ranging from quarterly to semi-annual, but you can also have closed-ended uh, private debt uh, strategies, which are, um, you know, which have lockups from five to seven years. Uh, so those are programs which are illiquid uh, in nature. Um, but on the semi-liquid strategies, we have a weighted average life of 24 months, so very short. As lending conditions tighten around the world, Spaheo says it's creating more opportunities in microfinance, particularly as larger regional banks begin to fold or merge. So while banks are shrinking to the centers of the cities, we go more deeply on the uh, closer to the customers with uh, with the, the capillary penetration of our branches and of our people. Um, Albanian economy remains small. As I said, informality, it's on the way to reduce, but still uh, it's considered high. Uh, we have quite um, uh, a high number of population not having a financial product, like 40% of the population. So the market is there for us for the future. From a pure portfolio management perspective, having a broad exposure to different credit risk from microfinance institutions across EM is definitely giving you diversification, certainly helping to improve your efficient frontier. On top of that, you have the, the social impact that you are generating that is there and we can report to you the type of um, social return that you can actually uh, generate. You have, through your partners, you will be able to generate jobs. You'll be helping to include um, the excluded. And that is often, um, you know, largely women that are excluded from the financial sector. Um, so I think, um, you know, good risk return profile plus social impact. And if you want to hear more from our chat with Hayola and Daniel, you can head to Schroeder's YouTube channel where you can watch the full unabridged interview that I had with them. There's also a quick Q&A uh, between Daniel and Hayola. So that's the Schroeder's YouTube channel for more. Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, check out our website, schroeders.com forward slash the investor download. You can also get in contact with us about anything in the show or ideas for future shows at Schroeder's podcast at schroeders.com. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We're now doing one show a week, which will be available every Thursday from 5pm UK time. Thanks very much for listening, but above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products or to adopt any investment strategy.